Hey there, everybody. Welcome back to the Betting Pros NFL podcast. I'm your host, Dan Harris. You can find me on Twitter at DanHarris80. Lots happened since our last episode where we broke down some NFL futures and the Oscar odds and the NFL offseason just keeps rolling right along. So today we're going to break down some win totals for the AFC. With me to do that is Adam Burke, a sports betting writer over at bangthebook.com, host of Bang the Book Radio. You can follow him on Twitter at Skating Tripods. Adam, thanks so much for joining me today. How you doing? I'm good, man. How you doing? Not bad. I mean, it's a little weird right now, obviously, for many reasons. And there are a lot of more serious things going on in the country than just sports. But the complete lack of sports. I mean, I watched with my kid Game 7 of the 2016 NBA Finals where, you know, LeBron and the Cavs won. And it was, it just like, it reminded me of how bizarre it is right now to not have anything at all just to turn on and watch. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, uh, you know, that's that's a pretty big day for us around here. That's yeah. something that all of us remember quite well. I mean, those are uh, those are the good times, the simpler days, I guess. But you know, the, the one nice thing, I guess, about you know talking NFL is that I mean, this is kind of the point that the off season would be in anyway. You know, we right. have the draft coming up in in ten days or so, and you know, we were just looking at win totals and futures and all that. It, it's uh, it's not like we're sitting here talking about how we don't have baseball, which I know is very hard for both of us. Yeah, no, it, it is. And by the way, Adam is from Cleveland, in case you didn't know that, or at least is a Cleveland fan. Are you born and raised in Cleveland or what? Born and raised. I actually yeah. grew up about 10 minutes southwest of downtown. Well, I remember you had uh, last year when we talked in an early episode, you had a correct take about the Browns, uh, you know, and their their future to win the division. And uh, you were not quite as bullish uh, as the general consensus. So you had that one pegged. So I'll be interested to hear what you think about their over under today. So for today, as we said, we're going to go division by division in the AFC. We're going to talk about the over-unders for every team in the division. Now for the odds, we're going to be using the consensus over-unders from bettingpros.com. That's the aggregate of the odds that are available in the market. And you can find those over at bettingpros.com slash NFL hyphen wins. And you can find more than just the win totals or team futures. If you're interested in the draft, go to bettingpros.com slash draft hyphen props. Those are consensus lines on things like how many of any position are going to be drafted or the first pick by team and things like that. You can find lines on pretty much every potential thing to bet in the NFL. So go check it out. All right, Adam, let's start with the AFC East here, a division which should be a little more interesting than in past years. Right now, the consensus lines are the Bills are over under of nine. The Patriots also over under of nine. Jets are an over under of six and a half. And the Dolphins are an over under of six. So any of these uh, over under any of these bets uh, do you find enticing? I think it's you know really tough to kind of figure out right now because we're still sort of in a holding pattern with New England. I think that New England, it's very hard to see them going into the season with you know Jarrett Stidham and Brian Hoyer at quarterback. And yeah, maybe they take one in the first round, but I can't imagine that Bill Belichick's going to run a rookie quarterback out there right away. So maybe Hoyer is kind of a placeholder, something like that. But I mean, this defense is still exceptional. You know, it's still one of the best defenses in the AFC, if not the best defense in the AFC. So it's tough to kind of ascertain what to do with the win totals here in the AFC East until we get more clarity on New England's quarterback situation, because if they upgrade a quarterback, this could very well be a team that goes 11 and five, you know, or has a very, very strong 10 and six record, which at that point in time, would, you know, positive or would uh, potentially, I should say, impact the Bills, impact those two head-to-head meetings with the Jets. Same thing about their games with the Dolphins. So I couldn't really do too much with the AFC East right now until I figure out where New England's kind of going to fall because 
you know, those head-to-head games with two per team are very important. So let me ask you something. What does upgrade the quarterback position mean to you? Does that mean literally sign anybody else or trade for anybody else or anything like that that's going on? I mean, you we obviously have, you know, you've got Jameis Winston and Cam Newton out there. The Bengals are, of course, looking to deal Andy Dalton. If they get one of those guys, does that completely change your outlook on this division? I mean, how would you feel about an over-under of nine if they made one of those moves? Yeah, I mean, I would have to go over at that point. And, you know, I've even kind of seen uh, some of the places out there in the offshore market kind of have a head-to-head matchup between New England and Buffalo. And, you know, who would have more wins uh, in a battle between those two teams? And, I mean, look, if if New England makes an upgrade at quarterback, I, I think their win total 9.5 looks good. Um, you know, I don't think that they would go all the way up to 10 necessarily. And as I look at the betting pros consensus odds, you know, some individual books out there do have 9.5. I mean – is Dalton a half win upgrade over you know, Hoyer or Stidham or let's say they take you know Jordan Love or something like that? I think so. Is Winston an upgrade? Yeah, he doesn't have the same skill position talent that he had in Tampa Bay, but I mean he's still a better option, I would say, than Hoyer and Stidham. And you know Cam Newton could be an option here too. I think New England. If I had to bet it right now, I'm still taking New England to win this division. I wouldn't be in love with it. But given the fact that both the Patriots and the Bills are sitting there at nine, I mean, I, I would have to look probably more over nine with New England than I would with Buffalo. I think it's fair. Um, I, I think that I it, I think let, let's start with your first point, which is it is nearly impossible to accurately kind of assess this division without knowing what the Patriots are going to be doing right now. Let me start with this, I guess. If they don't make an upgrade on quarterback, let's say they go with Stidham, okay? Let's say they say, this is what we're doing. This is our future. We like what we've seen, despite the fact that he's thrown, what, four passes in the NFL. They go with Stidham. What do you think about the over-under nine? And you pointed out, by the way, when you look at the consensus odds, it's nine, nine and a half, nine, nine and a half, nine, nine and a half. So it's one of two ways. And nine and a half, personally, if they don't make an upgrade, I'm easy on the under here. I get that the Patriots are incredible. They haven't won fewer than 10 games since 2002. The defense is good. You, you, they're they're very good, but they have lost a boatload so far in free agency, right? They lost Kyle Van Noy. They lost Jamie Collins. They lost Shelton. They lost Harmon. They lost uh a Landon Roberts you know I get that they still have uh you know Stefan Gilmore and they still have McCordy and everything like that but you know the thing is defensively they're very good but they're not this elite unit that everybody kind of thought that they were because they were beaten the heck out of that horrible offensive competition that they faced earlier in the year they're a very solid defensive unit but I don't think they're good enough for the offense to carry them and they just have done nothing right now on offense I mean they they tagged you know, Joe Tooney, they they still have Mohamed Sanu, they still have Marcus Cannon, but they really, I mean, unless you're saying Nikhil Harry or Jacoby Myers are going to take a huge leap or they're going to do something with, you know, their 12 picks to really make a move or a trade or something like that, this team is not very good. I mean, their defense is, is decent, but their offense, and, and, you know, all I hear about all the time, and again, I live in New England, so this is certainly what I get from my in-laws and everything like that. And, and just from the, the crowd around here in the sports talk radio is, you know, you think back to the Matt Castle year, but you know, this is not Randy Moss and Wes Welker sitting there on offense. You know, it's not as if he can just Belichick can just do this without Brady. This is not a very good offensive team. So for me, absent a, a major, you know, absent upgraded quarterback for sure, but maybe even more than that, if it's nine and a half, I'm still going under. I'd probably stay away at nine, I guess, but for the nine and a half, I really think I lean under. 
Well, I mean, those are all fair points. And, you know, again, I mean, there are a lot of moving parts with this team. And, and we know that, you know, they're very, very sharp and very smart organizationally. And you know, there also has been a brain drain in terms of the coaching staff, too. You know, mm -hmm. you lose a guy like a Jerry Shaplinsky, you know, somebody like that. A guy that, you know, yeah, he's not an offensive coordinator. Yeah, he's not going to get the same headlines. But a guy that's, you know, been in that quarterback room, been in that offensive room, obviously a very smart guy, three Super Bowl rings now. I don't even think he's 40 yet or he's pretty close to it. That's another byproduct of being really good is that you start losing some very smart people within the organization as well. Now, that being said, you look at their eight home games here. They get San Francisco and they get Baltimore at home. Two very, very difficult games. Otherwise, you've got the three division teams, Denver, Las Vegas, and Arizona. All six of those very, very winnable games. And on the road, I'm low on the Rams for this season, which I'm sure we'll talk about in a little bit. I'm very low on Seattle for this season. Those are two road games that they'll be an underdog in in all likelihood, but I think they're kind of there for the taking. The three division games, Houston, I mean, who knows if Deshaun Watson doesn't just walk out on that team at some point here with everything that's going on with them. Kansas City and the Chargers, a couple of tough road games against the AFC West. I don't think their schedule is that bad. And I think if they've got a quarterback that doesn't actively hurt them, the schedule sets up relatively well for them to be, you know, a 10 and 6 type team if everything falls into place. But again, you're talking about a much thinner margin for error than we've seen in the past. I think it's more of a commentary to me on I don't think Buffalo is as good as people think they are. And I think the Dolphins will be better. I don't think the Jets necessarily will be. It How doesn't shock you? me. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. As a Jets fan, I have to do that every time somebody says that the Jets are not going to be very good, which, to be fair, it's accurate and happens on every single podcast. So I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, it's all good. But I, I just, I mean, I could see five and one in the division again. I could see them splitting with Buffalo and, you know, winning the other four games. And, I mean, maybe your view is different from mine on the Dolphins and the Jets. And maybe that's kind of how we differ a little bit here. But again, I think that the Patriots, until I'm proven otherwise, that, you know, maybe it was all Brady or maybe it was all, you know, some of these quality control guys and all that. I just feel like Belichick finds a way. Yeah, look, I, I certainly cannot dispute the Belichick finds a way because Belichick finds a way. It is worth noting you're talking about the schedule. And again, this is not the best way to necessarily analyze the schedule. They actually have the toughest schedule in the league in terms of opponents win percentage last year. It's 537. That's the toughest in the league. The, the whole AFC East has a very difficult schedule because, again, they play the NFC West, which is a very solid division where, you know, you've got the Seahawks, you've got the 49ers, the Cardinals are going to be improved, the Rams are still putting up a fight, and then they've got the AFC West, which, again, you talked about it, not that great from top to bottom. The Chiefs are, of course, fantastic. The Broncos are going to be improved. The Chargers are a better team than they showed last year, even losing Rivers and going to Tyra Taylor. I'm not really sure that's a downgrade at this point in their careers, but they lost all those one score games. So they could be better. And then, you know, they were the best team in the division. They're going to get the Ravens and then the Texans, which again, you're right. If there's not a mutiny over there or Bill O'Brien doesn't trade the entire team for, you know, four tires or something for his new truck. But yeah, it, it's an interesting thing. And I agree. The division itself, I, I, I like Buffalo. I, I don't necessarily expect, you know, they, they've lost a lot of pieces, but they've had a lot of pieces on defense. The big thing is digs. But again, you've got basically the least accurate deep ball quarterback in the game with Josh Allen. So it's really tough to know what you're going to see from then with the Jets. Yeah, I think they're going to be OK like they were last year. They've built up their offensive line right now. It's going to have to see what they do in the draft. If they add a receiver, 
or whether or not uh, they had an edge rusher, but they obviously need help. The Dolphins, actually, you mentioned them. That's the one bet I, I do like here is uh, the, the over-under of six. And again, it does depend a little bit on the Patriots. But, you know, look, they finished five and four down the stretch. They've had a monstrous offseason with Byron Jones, who's, you know, between him and Xavier Howard, they're looking really good. They added Shaq Lawson and Kyle Van Noy and Alandon Roberts and Emmanuel Agba. The defense is going to be a lot better. And on offense, they've added a little bit. Jordan Howard is better than, you know, whoever they were throwing out there last year, especially Kalen Balaj, Ted Karras, Eric Flowers. You know, Devontae Parker is still developing. Preston Williams, if he's healthy. Mike Gesicki. They've got 14 picks, three in the first round. You know, I get that Fitz is not the future, but he's capable of winning games. Again, tough schedule here, but they don't go to Arrowhead. They don't go to Seattle. So at least when they get those, they'll have a quote-unquote fighting chance in the fact that they'll be home. They get the Jags. They're home against the Bengals. They've got a lot of games that they can win, especially you mentioned the Jets, depending on what happens with the Pats. So for me right now, if there's one pick in this division that I like, and I don't love any of them, but if I had to go with one, for me, it would be taking the Dolphins over six wins. I agree with that. And, you know, too, I mean, you look at the moves that they've made in free agency here and kind of the the expectations for them in the draft, where they are going to address the offensive side and, you know, quite possibly address the quarterback position as well. But I mean, Flores is a defensive guy by no, by trade. So you get a Byron Jones. You get some pass rushers. I think Emmanuel Ogba is a very, very good player. Just wound up getting overshadowed in Cleveland because, well, you know, Miles Garrett's here. Right. And then you get, you know, a guy like Kyle Van Noy, who Flores obviously knows well. They, they've got a lot of pieces to build around here. And something else you really like about Miami, and, and obviously they got off to the atrocious start last year, but he improved the culture of that team. Flores made it a point to do that very early in the process to get rid of guys that weren't buying in, get rid of guys that were kind of dragging everybody else down. And we saw what happened at the tail end of the year when they kind of changed that culture. They got guys that wanted to be there, guys that wanted to play. They were a much more cohesive unit. So I think you're definitely on to something there. It's obviously scary thinking about this team potentially having to improve to seven wins to go over a win total. Right. But you've got to like everything that they've been doing here over the last 18 months. No, absolutely. And again, remember, they they had five wins, uh, but that was all in their last nine games, right? I mean, they were basically tanking, so they finished strong. So, yeah, I think they could get there. It's a two-win improvement is something that kind of shocks you a little bit. But with all they've done and and how well they played down the stretch, I'm willing to buy it. So, if we did go with one in that division, uh, that would be my pick. Let's move on here to the AFC North. Uh, you've got the Ravens at over-under of 11, which is a big number, of course, but they earned it by going 14-2. and two. Steelers are over-under 9. The Browns over-under 8.5. And, and the Bengals, a measly over-under of 5. So which of any of these do you like? All right, well, let's be a homer here, right? Because the Cleveland Browns are going to be better than they were last year. And I like this team to go over eight and a half here. I see there's a couple of rogue eights out there as well uh, on the betting board. I like this team a lot. I mean, they're loaded with skill position talent on offense. Now they pick up a guy like Austin Hooper. And most importantly, Kevin Stefanski seems to know what he's doing. Now, obviously we'll see if that translates into being a head coach, but as an offensive coordinator, as a play caller, as a guy that knows how to you know, get all of his guys involved, much like he did there in Minnesota, I mean, they've got so many weapons. And defensively, they're very, very good. They'll improve the offensive line here in the draft. And you mentioned it in the in the top of today's show that you know, last year I talked down about them because they had such a challenging schedule, in particular early on in the season when they were trying to get you know everybody acclimated to what Kitchens wanted to do and all that. 
their schedule is much, much softer this year. I think they, I think I saw they go from like 30th in strength to schedule to, uh, you know, ninth, something like that. No, they, they have the fourth, they have the fourth, uh, in terms of opponents winning percentage, at least their fourth easiest schedule in the NFL. And, the, and they don't really have to travel much either. Their schedule yeah. is very, very close to home. I mean, this is a team, and this happens a lot of times too. When when you've got a team that's expected to do big things and they fall flat on their faces, that following year is when they kind of tend to come through a little bit. I think the Browns are in that exact situation right now, and I get it. I'm from Cleveland. It sounds like a homer pick, but, you know, hey, I was honest about them last year, and I think this is a pretty honest assessment this year. Well, look, the bottom line is from last year, you've earned a ton of credibility, at least for me and hopefully with our listeners, because, yeah, you poured cold water on them. I was more bullish on them. I had a tough time justifying the under uh, or not picking them to win the division last year because I I really thought that they were going to come out gangbusters. And it basically unfolded almost exactly like you said. So certainly I'm not taking the home review and I'm not going to disagree with really anything that you're saying. I I like a lot of what they've done here in the offseason. I mean, Hooper was a little strange to me, uh, you know, because, you know, I know Njoku hasn't been great, but, you know, Stefanski runs a lot of two tight end sense to the uh, to the extent that they keep and joke, but I, I like adding, you know, Jack Conklin and, and getting a solid backup like Case Keenum. And they're going to go. You saw that their their offense last year. And again, it's going to be a different system, so it's not going to look exactly like that. But, you know, they're they're keeping Kareem Hunt. I assume they've got a second round tender on him. I don't think anybody's going to want to pay that. And, you know, they've got Andy Genovich, so they want to run the ball. Right. That That's sort of part of what they're going to be doing. Baker Mayfield's going to work a lot better uh, on play action passing. So I find it hard and it's probably the optics even though it shouldn't be because it's an entirely new coaching staff and they still have talent to to do the i'm gonna go they're gonna improve three wins right that's that's just a lot in the nfl right they were six and ten last year so it's hard for me to go there but i i really I, i can't really disagree with anything that you're saying in this one especially again they've got a really really easy schedule on the travel you're right so for me, yeah, I'm not going to really argue with it. It's not bad. The one that I like a little better, and, and this one, again, maybe I just like the worst team in the division and the lowest over-under, but I kind of like the Bengals over. And again, this is one where you'd have to go way over because it, it's they were 2-14 and 14 last year, and the over-under is 5. So you're expecting them to improve 6 wins. But this kind of offseason has been different than the usual Bengals offseason, right? I mean, they, they've they spent money. They've gone out there and they've, they've really helped their defense with DJ Reader, Trey Waynes, Mackenzie Alexander, and Von Bell. So they're, they're going to be better against the run. And, you know, Waynes and Alexander, they they weren't that great in 2019. Um, and they've lost, you know, Darquez Denard and Drake Kirkpatrick. But, you know, I, I do think defensively they're going to be better. And on offense, look, they're going to get A.J. Green back and you have to assume that they're going to get Joe Burrow. It's possible they trade that pick. But, Everything I've I've seen sounds like they're going to go for it. They still have Dalton on the roster, if not, but they're going to get with Joe Burrow. And look, can you find six wins? You look at their schedule. They've got the Redskins. They've got the Jaguars. They've got the Dolphins who are going to be improved. But, you know, that that's certainly a potential. They've got the Giants. You know, those are those are some games that they could easily win. Divisional games are always up in the air. It's five wins is a pretty low total. I don't love it. Um, and this division is my least favorite division in terms of, of finding a pick that I really like. But I kind of can see, and again, this is me probably assuming that they go with Joe Burrow, but I could kind of see, uh, you know, in in their second year under Taylor, the Bengals taking a leap and getting to more than five wins. Yeah, that one's that one's tough for me to get to simply because I want to see what the defense looks like. You know, I, we know the offense should be better. I mean, Burrow's going to have, 
Green, he's going to have Mixon, he's going to have some guys that he can kind of work with a little bit. But what happens with this defense? I mean, can this defense get stops? And again, I always like to look, I base a lot of this on the six games within the division. The Browns obviously look very good and look capable of scoring a lot of points. Pittsburgh will get Ben Roethlisberger back, whatever state he's in at this point in his career. <laughs> and then there's Baltimore, who you know, is probably just the best team in the AFC. And, you know, unless you consider the Chiefs to be the best team in the AFC, they're kind of 1A and 1B right there. Can the Bengals find wins outside of the division? Because if they go 0-6 in the division, which is very possible, then you're asking them to kind of get six wins out of their other 10 games. That's a little bit difficult for me to kind of wrap my head around. But I will say this. I do think that you start building the foundation because Taylor, again, by trade, a quarterback's kind of guy. You get him Burrow. You, you see improvement in the second half of the season. Maybe next year is the buy year for a team like that. I will say, though, maybe this kind of works in concert with your thoughts on the Bengals. I'm not real high on Pittsburgh this season. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, I think that Pittsburgh is a team that is obviously still a very, very well-run organization, but there were questions all year long last year about Mike Tomlin and his job security and all that. Ben Roethlisberger goes down, gives them an easy excuse to, you know, just sort of keep things status quo and, you know, wait and see what happens next year, but... I'm not a real big fan of this Pittsburgh team. I don't know what we're going to get from Ben. Obviously, it was going to be more difficult having Antonio Brown alongside Juju Smith-Schuster, and, and we saw that with Smith-Schuster. I mean, it was it was tough for him to get open. It was tough for him to find a lot of room to work. Is Ben going to be able to throw it in those windows? I don't know. I don't think so. Pittsburgh is a team that I'm, I'm just pretty sour on overall for this upcoming season. I was sour on them a little bit to a degree last year. And I, did, I don't see them getting to 9-7. and seven. I mean, obviously they went 8-8, eight and eight and you would think, oh, upgrade, Ben's back, and this and that. I, I just think that the Browns pass them by, and maybe within a couple of years the Bengals do too. Yeah, I don't love the Steelers uh, over 9 at all. I, I don't really know what to make of them because they are basically the same team, right? They, they've got a great offensive line. They've got a great defense. Once they, once they brought in Minka Fitzpatrick, it was, you know, the, the defense really turned, and it uh, they – basically got to eight and eight with nothing at quarterback last year. So if Ben can do anything, you do kind of feel like they'll be better. But I think the fact that they did get to eight and eight last year makes me just say, you know, no matter what, they're going to be a tough uh, opponent, you know? I, so you can't look at, even if Ben is terrible, you can't look at that, that as a game that the Bengals can be like, Oh, great. We'll, we'll win. I agree. You look at their schedule. It's not that forgiving. Um, I mean, they, they do have an easy schedule. The whole NFC, uh, AFC North does, but it, it, there aren't that many games that you look at and can say, oh, wow, this is a game the Bengals are definitely going to win. But it, at the same time, I do just feel like this is going to be a team. I think their culture is going to be better. I think if they get Burrow, I think they're going to be, which I'm, I'm kind of banking on at this point, that they're going to be well-improved offensively. So this is a team that I, I kind of like. I'm not overly bullish on, um, but I think I can see them getting a six wins. Let's move on here. Let to me the ask a you real quickly yeah, here. Yeah, go ahead. Because by and large, and I talked about this a lot when I wrote the MLB betting guide, which is now by and large useless with the season you know, <laughs> right. being so shortened if it gets played at all. But one of the things I always talk about in that betting guide is that as a general rule, I don't like to play really high or really low win totals because there's just not a lot of margin for error. It's very hard to bet on the degree to which a team will be really good or the degree to which a team will be really bad. Mm -hmm. Is there any way you can take Baltimore under 11 or under 11 and a half? Because I don't uh, think I could. It would have to be over or nothing, right? Uh, yeah. I, and again, they you want to talk about – they have the easiest – 
schedule and opponents winning percentage of 438 so it's really really difficult remember one of their quote-unquote harder matchups is the patriots which is not going to be nearly as hard uh, a matchup as it was last year for the reasons that we discussed but in the end yeah no i agree with you i i'm certainly not going under uh i i just i couldn't you, you look at what they've done this offseason they're probably only better right now on paper right they traded for calais campbell and adding Derek wolf and everything like that it, it's really going to be tough they've got to add an inside linebacker they've got to bulk up the interior of their offensive line but really they're basically just as good as last year is there a chance that the league can adjust to lamar jackson i mean is there a chance that was there a, a quote-unquote blueprint that the titans were able to put out there in the playoffs i don't really think so but you know it, it's it's hard with this type of offense that they run that you just feel like eventually a team's going to kind of figure out how to play them. But for me, no, I agree with you. I, I don't like it because 11 is way too big a number for me to, to really sit there. And there is a higher over under that I like the under, which we'll talk about in a few minutes. But uh, for me, yeah, I agree. If I were to bet on the Ravens right now, I would go over the 11 because it's just really difficult, especially with they've had a very good offseason to see them really falling off too much. Let's go to the AFC South here, and this one's kind of all bunched up together. You've got the Titans at uh, eight and a half, the Colts at eight and a half, the Texans at eight, and the Jaguars at five. So, what do you think here? Whew, this one's tough. I mean, this one is really, really tough, especially there's because one, there's one I like only. Other than that, I I really don't want any part of this division. Especially because you know we've seen the adjustment to Houston, and deservedly so. I mean, this is a team that you know won its division last year at ten and six with a negative point differential. And they traded, as much as I love Deshaun Watson, they traded away their best offensive player in DeAndre Hopkins. And Will Fuller is never healthy. Brandon Cooks has always got the concussion background that you know you need to worry about. Maybe David Johnson sort of has a career resurgence. I don't know. But it's unfortunate that Houston has already been adjusted down enough, some places even showing 7.5 out there now, that you, know, you, you can't really take that one. I mean... Were the Titan are the Titans going to be as good as they were in the second half of last year? Probably not. Do I still think that they're the team most likely to win this division? Yeah, I think so. So over eight and a half with Tennessee, probably my favorite play. But mm -hmm. it also doesn't shock me if any of these three teams, you know, whatever order they finish one, two, three, not going to surprise me at all. The only thing I think is for certain is that Jacksonville probably does finish in the basement here once again. Yeah, I mean, Jacksonville is coming as close to outright tanking as you possibly can be without seriously just saying, yes, we are trying to lose. But for me, the one I like actually is, and you, look, there's no way I'm going anywhere near the Texans because I don't know what the psyche of that team has to be right now where you have trades that, you know, everybody who looks at is like, what is happening right now? How could you possibly do that? And, and Bill O'Brien just like, yeah, this works for me and I have total control, so I'm going to do what I want. For me... I kind of like the Colts at over eight and a half. So here's why I, I personally probably a little more, I don't want to even use the word bullish, but a, a little more positive on rivers and what he has left in the tank. I, I honestly think that last year was much more about him just getting the crap kicked out of him all the time. He was sacked 34 times. He was pressured 36% of the time. Nobody likes pressure, no quarterback, especially someone who is basically immobile like Rivers, he had a terrible offensive line. Now he's with the Colts, which is kind of the perfect spot because I have a great offensive line. And they kept, you know, Anthony Costanzo. That was a huge move. Uh, he's familiar with the, sick, uh, with the uh, system because of uh, Nick Sirianni. 
And he's got enough pieces on offense so long as Paris Campbell can stay healthy. Marlon Mack is still a quality back. I don't I'm I don't love Marlon Mack, but he's he's a quote unquote quality back. He's good enough. They've got Naheem Hines for all the dump offs that Rivers likes to do. They are solid defensively. They let Pierre uh Desir go, but they added DeForest Buckner. Not sure that he was worth the thirteenth pick, but certainly that's an addition for them. So look they can go four and two in the division, I assume. You know, they can beat Jacksonville twice. They'll probably split, let's say, with Tennessee and Houston. They get the Jets, the Raiders, the Bengals, the Lions, the Bears. It, it's not the easiest schedule overall, but they have a ton of winnable games. I, I just, I, I really like that team. I think the fact that they, they, you know, they wound up finishing seven and nine last year, but for a while, they looked like they were going to possibly win that division with Jacoby Brissett, who is just not a quality NFL quarterback. Uh, in in my personal opinion. And the fact that they had to do that while losing luck in the preseason, you know, I know they were kind of preparing for it, but they weren't exactly saying, yes, we're going to go in here with Brissett. That, that was still kind of a big blow. And the, they're just so well coached. They've been put together. The bones of the team are really strong. So I think if Rivers has anything left, and personally, I do. I know how bad he looked. But again, he was just he was just getting blown up every single play. There, the Chargers' offensive line was terrible last year, so I think he's got a little more in the tank. You give him an offensive line, you give him a decent team around him, you give him a well coached team. I think this is a team that can get to nine wins. Yeah, I think that's fair. And and again, I mean, we see that with the juice that's out there in the market, ranging anywhere from you know minus one twenty five on up. And look, Rivers to me again feels like one of those guys that, and he's probably earned this right, being you know what is he almost forty now or over forty. Mm-hmm. he's earned this right of being comfortable. And like you said, last year he was uncomfortable. He had the offensive line issues. You know, he was very good for Ken Wisenhunt too for a while. And then Wisenhunt, I don't know if the shine came off of him or if they just wanted to make a change or what. That's something that probably did impact Rivers negatively as well. You mentioned Sirianni and kind of the rapport that he has with him. Sirianni was the quarterback's coach for the then San Diego Chargers, also a wide receivers coach. Rivers is comfortable with Sirianni. He would have to be. Otherwise, he wouldn't have you know, said, okay, I'll go to the Colts. So that helps. I think Frank Reich is an awesome head coach. I think that he's had a lot of hardship to deal with, in particular on the injury side, as it pertains to the Colts, you know, with the couple years that he's been there. So I think he's a very, very good fit uh, you know, to have a guy like Phillip Rivers. They get a lot of third and short situations. That's somewhere where Rivers can excel. If it's third and three, third and four, Rivers is fine. If it's third and eight, third and nine, and the pass rushers are coming, it's a lot tougher for Phillip Rivers. So I think schematically it fits. Personnel-wise, it fits. I completely agree with you on both of those counts. I need to see the defense. I don't even want to say improve, but just stay healthy, man. I mean, you know, that's one of the things I, I failed to mention about the Browns is that they had three or four weeks in a row last year where their, their four starters in the secondary were all out. And when Indianapolis is healthy and at something resembling full strength, they are a very, very good football team. It's a two-horse race between the Colts and the Titans for this division crown as far as I'm concerned. And I think you could make very strong, very compelling arguments for the over with both of them. And, and I think that we've kind of done that. Yeah, and I think that uh, when we say it's a two-horse race, which I agree with, <clears throat> then you and I can have another podcast at the end of the season after the Texans miraculously go 12-4 and four despite a <laughs> negative point differential, which they seem to be able to do. The one thing you pointed out, by the way, which is true, I, I should have pointed that out. I mean, this is 
you know, it's pretty juicy. Right? I mean, the, to take the over, it's it's minus 125 and it's plus 103 to take the under. So, I mean, I think that that the over is the right side uh, at this point. And I think that, you know, it wasn't like that, frankly, uh, a week ago. It, w- it was much closer. So I think it, it's moving that way. And I think that there's a reason. Well, that's an important distinction for listeners, too, is that, you know, as a general rule, you know, it's about I, I want to say it's about 40 to 50 cents equals about a half win. In the NFL mm-hmm. marketplace, I, I apologize if I'm off by that, but I, I feel like I remember hearing that. So this is almost essentially like what over nine at you know maybe a little bit of a plus money price, something like that. Right? Would you be willing to take that? If the answer is yes, then don't necessarily be afraid of that little bit of extra juice on the over eight and a half because you're kind of getting like a really cheap nine price. And if you're comfortable with doing that, you know, obviously it takes away the push on nine then, you know, by all means, go ahead and do it if you feel strongly enough about it. Yeah, that's a great point. And again, you know, for the most part with all of these, they're they're almost not all, but the vast majority of them are the juices minus 110 on the over or the under, like the entire AFC West, which we're about to talk about over and under is all 110 minus 110 all around. So this is one, you know, where it's a little and, and some books, look, I'm looking at one, I think it might be it's uh, FanDuel. Uh, so on FanDuel, you look at it, over eight and a half is minus 160 and under is plus 135. So uh, again, that's another reason to shop around. But yeah, for this one in particular, there's really a big disparity between the over and the under, which there aren't usually. And there aren't necessarily with the West, where everyone is at either over or under at minus 110. And that's the Chiefs at over under of an 11 and a half. Everyone else in the division, seven and a half. Broncos, Chargers, Raiders, all over under seven and a half. Everybody, the juice is minus 110 on either side. So how do you feel? Do you like any of these? Well, you know, again, I mean, we're talking about teams that at least according to the win total odds are kind of interchangeable there with Denver, the Chargers, and the Raiders. And, and there's one that I disagree with, and, and that's the Chargers. I mean, I, I think that this is a team that, you know, we just talked about it with Phillip Rivers and, and how he has the mobility of an Easter Island statue. <laughs> Tyrod Taylor does not. Tyrod Taylor can move around a little bit. And while I really wanted Jameis Winston to land in L.A. with the Chargers, and, and who knows, maybe he still could, Taylor's probably an upgrade just from the simple fact that he can move around. The fact that they can now, I don't know if they're going to try to adopt something of a Lamar Jackson-style offense with you know the backs that they have and a mobile quarterback like Taylor, but they're not handicapped by the fact that Phillip Rivers can't move. They're not handicapped by the fact that Phillip Rivers won't QB sneak on third and one or fourth and one anymore. They've got a guy in Tyrod Taylor who's going to be willing to move around. And I think that's going to help everything about this offense. And look, this defense can be downright nasty as long as everybody's healthy. They obviously have the pass rush. You know, now you got Linval Joseph in the middle defensively to kind of help them out with the run a little bit. Again, another team that needs to stay healthy in the back seven, but if we're talking about ceiling, which by and large is what I try to look at with any win total market in any sport, I want to look at ceiling and I want to look at floor. And I think the floor for the Chargers probably is that 6-10, and 7-9 range. I think their ceiling could be as high as 10-6 and six if everything falls into place for them. So because they've got a bigger gap between floor and ceiling than, say, the Broncos or the Raiders, the Chargers would have to be the one I'd look at at over 7.5. Yep, that is the one that I like here as well. And, you know, you brought up the good point. First of all, out of curiosity, do you think they're going in with Tyrod Taylor or do you think they're going to be doing something else? Oh, man. I mean, if if they weren't going to do Tyrod Taylor, wouldn't they have already gotten somebody else? You assume, but I mean... Or do they they draft someone? 
I, you know, I think they probably do draft someone, but I, I think it's much more of a of a long term pick. What are they sixth? I think they're the sixth pick in the draft. I think it's more of a long term option. So if they're if not, if they gonna, take Justin Herbert, does he start? You know, like maybe week three, week four, something like that. Or right? Do they give could, Taylor all year. I mean, it could be sort of like they did with Taylor with the Browns, right? Where he yeah. started out the season, then they turned it over to Mayfield. So they certainly could do something like that. But I agree with you, by the way. This is the one pick that I like. Uh, and, you know, remember, we, we talked about the offensive line, and it's great to have Taylor, who's able to to get away from pressure. But they also upgraded the offensive line, right, with Turner and Brian Balaga. So, you know, I agree with you, basically, all the points that you made. And, you know, you look at their schedule, they've got a ton of winnable games. Obviously, you know, the Raiders and the Broncos, I think you're looking like I do, is that, you know, you can easily see them, you know, being the better team of all the seven and a half win teams. You've got the Dolphins, the Jaguars, the Panthers, the Jets, depending on what the Patriots do, the Falcons, the Bengals. There are a lot of really winnable games that you look at on their schedule uh, coming in. So that is a team that, I don't know, if I'm looking at an over-under of one of them, that that's really the one uh, that I like the most. Again, you mentioned their defense, so uh, it really is the key. There's one other that I like, and I wonder what you think about this. How do you feel about the Chiefs over under of 11 and a half? Well, it's a big number. You know, you, you got over the hump last year. You won the Super Bowl. So, you know, obviously there's there's kind of some difficulty with that. Um, you know, 12 and four last year with the Mahomes injury, you give them a lot of credit. You give them full marks for that. I just, I, the the relative strength of the division, I think everybody around them is a little bit better this year. You've kind of got that sign on your back now. We know what Mahomes just did last year. And I I, I have a really hard time just looking at that team and going, yeah, they're going to go 12 and four or better again. It's just, yep. it's a big ask. Yeah. I mean, if I were to pick another uh, bet in this division, it would be the under on the Chiefs over under 11 and a half. And it, it's hard to do that. And I don't know whether or not I would really have the intestinal fortitude to make that pick just because. Betting against Patrick Mahomes, even in a single game, is just devastating. And I'd hate to do it over a full season. But look, I mean, they've got to go. You mentioned it, right? Their division is tougher. I, I don't love the Broncos. I don't love the Raiders. I don't even love the Chargers. But you can easily see, you know, them going four and two, let's say, the Chiefs against the division. And then they've got to go to Baltimore. They've got to go to Buffalo. And, and regardless of what you think of Buffalo, that is a very, very difficult place to play. They've got to go to New Orleans. They've got to go to Tampa Bay with Brady and that team. They have a lot of difficult games on their schedule. And I know that Patrick Mahomes is, is capable of overcoming a lot of things. And the defense played a lot better down the stretch. And they're pretty much intact offensively. You know, they, they've Still got, you know, they're they're going to go with Damian Williams again. They they added DeAndre Washington. Offensively, they're pretty much intact. But you know, given that is a huge number going on right now. The other thing that we didn't talk about necessarily is, you know, if the Ravens are as good as as sort of we expect, this there's only going to be one buy this year, right? So if the Ravens are you know going ahead and, and easily going to have that buy, the Chiefs may not have any need to push it down the stretch. You know what I mean? Like, it could be something where you could see them saying, if they don't have that buy necessarily, they could take their foot off the gas. That could work the other way, too. They could be going for the buy and trying to get there and so going full steam all the way. But it is a, some situation where if the Ravens are ahead of them and the Ravens beat them head-to-head -head, and the Ravens have the tiebreaker and they're getting there, the Chiefs could, you could see at the end of the season, sort of take their foot off the gas and just rest a little bit to try to get healthy as they go into the postseason, you know? Yeah. Oh, no, I absolutely agree. That's definitely a consideration. You always want to think about, you know, the situations for teams and, Obviously, it's easier in a sport like baseball where you've got the trade deadline and, you know, you kind of have an idea of, of where they may be. But you're right. Kansas City may not be pushing it as much. 
late in the year because again, I mean, they played you know three extra games last year, so less turnaround time, less recovery time. Assuming the season starts on time, of course. Right. Um. You know, so this is also a defense that you know bent a ton early on in the year. As you mentioned, they got a lot better down the stretch, but they also got to pad some numbers against an Oakland offense that wasn't great. They were okay. They weren't great. They weren't prolific by any means. The Patriots were way down. Denver and the Bears. You know, the Chargers moved it on them. The Texans moved it on them in the playoffs because they were kind of playing that prevent defense type of thing. But, I mean, again, this is a team that, you know, when they had to step up in class and face decent offensive offenses last year, the defense did struggle. They were a true case of being very, very good at playing the bully. And I don't think they have as many bully opportunities this year. Yeah, no, I'm inclined to agree. Again, it's not something that I'm 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 loving. There is one pick that I like in this division, and that is the Chargers, as we discussed. Remember, by the way, I realize I forgot to mention it. I forgot exactly what it came out to, but at some point somebody tweeted out what the Chargers record would have been if you just reversed every single score game. It was I don't know, remember exactly what it was. It was probably eleven and five or something like that. It was something ridiculous. And again, that's just something that speaks to the strength of the team. The team it's a very good team. Rivers played terribly and they had a terrible offensive line. Taylor's probably going to make them better. And the better offensive line is really going to move into that. So I think to improve three wins is not something that's going to be crazy for them to do. But And real quickly, that's a really good point for all the listeners out there. Look for record in close games, because if you've got some outliers in that department, that's generally something that year over year kind of regresses to the mean a little bit. A good way to start kind of narrowing your focus for some of these teams, the ones that were say four and one or five and oh or something like that in close games, like a Seattle Seahawks type team, for example. Maybe that's something that you know you want to scale back a little bit, kind of gravitate towards the under uh, or the over, as the case may be. Yeah, in terms of the Chiefs, yeah, I just it is something where it, I certainly wouldn't go with the over. I'm not I'm not going them to get 12 wins, and we talked about the extremes. But for me, if I had to go anywhere, it would be something with the under. All right, that's going to do it for today's show. Adam, it was really, really great to be able to catch up and having you on again. Remind everybody where they can find more of you and your work, please. Yeah, great to chat with you as well. But yeah, you can find me over at bangthebook.com, at Skating Tripods on Twitter. Still doing the betters box, my MLB betting podcast twice a week, uh, ramping up our draft stuff over there with, I mean, my God, the prop catalog for the draft this year is just insane there's so much going on as i know you guys are doing a lot over at betting pros for that as well but uh just trying to stay busy man trying not to uh you know fall too far down the hole here with everything that's going on but uh i really appreciate you having me on again dan and you know it's always great to chat no matter what sport it is with you no absolutely and it's a shame we couldn't be talking about uh baseball uh at at this time and leading into it but you know at least we do have the nfl and the draft coming up so thanks again for coming on absolutely man thanks for having me All right, don't forget to head over to bettingpros.com to check out all the consensus lines, including our draft day props and NFL futures. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll be back later this week to discuss the over-unders for the NFC win totals. I'll talk to you then.